From the Jesuits of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG. I'm Mike Jordan-Lasky. Last month, I went to a meeting in Rome with my counterparts from around the world. The Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States, which is where I work, is just one of six Jesuit conferences on the planet. And I have really tremendous colleagues. There's Ria from the Philippines and Anastasia from Kenya, Raphael from Belgium, Stephanie from Peru, and Father Bernard from India. One of the coolest parts about this meeting, aside from hanging out in Rome for a week, is how it was such a vivid reminder that the Society of Jesus is a global community, part of a universal church. I have such a narrow North American perspective so much of the time, and our meeting reminded me that I'm part of something so much bigger than my own little corner of the world. We were meeting right after one of the Jesuits' most important global gatherings, which reflects the universal reach of the society in an even more powerful way. That gathering was the 71st Congregation of Procurators, which was held in Loyola, Spain. Over 100 Jesuits gathered for the congregation, one from each province in the world, plus Jesuit Superior General Father Arturo Sosa and his assistants. So what exactly is a congregation of procurators? I know it sounds kind of like old-fashioned church speak, so let me explain it briefly. There are two types of big global congregations the Society of Jesus holds. The first and more famous type is called a general congregation, in which a new superior general is elected. There have only been 36 of these meetings since the founding of the order in 1540. All the way back at the second general congregation in 1565, the delegates there decided that more frequent meetings were needed. And this led to the Congregation of Procurators, whose main technical function is to decide if a general congregation should be called. And only very rarely do the procurators vote yes. But it's a unique opportunity for Jesuits to gather and reflect on the state of the society and the world. While the gathering itself was two weeks in Spain, the work of the procurators takes over a year. Once elected, each procurator travels throughout his province and speaks to as many Jesuits as possible. The point is to develop a sort of state of the society perspective from your own province. The procurators submit their reports to the superior general, who in turn crafts a document on the state of the global society called De Statu. This document will be published and available publicly soon. My guest today is Father Victor Cancino, SJ, who was the procurator from the USA West province. Father Cancino lives on the Flathead Indian Reservation in western Montana and is the pastor delegate for the St. Ignatius mission there. I asked him about the gathering itself, plus what he learned while traveling throughout the West province, which stretches from Alaska to Hawaii to the U.S.-Mexico border in Arizona. It was fascinating to get his insider's take on the whole process. And frankly, it made me proud to be affiliated with the Jesuits and to be Catholic, part of this worldwide community that literally means universal. You can subscribe to AMDG wherever you get podcasts. And thanks for joining us.
Father Victor Cancino, welcome to AMDG. Thank you so much for taking the time. How are you? Thank you, Mike. Um, I'm doing good. It's a, it's a lovely morning here in uh, St. Ignatius, Montana. Oh, that's excellent. I'll ask you about St. Ignatius, Montana a little bit later on. I'm excited to hear about your work there. But uh, the reason I invited you onto the show was to talk about this kind of very specific Jesuit thing in Jesuit governance, kind of how the Society of Jesus comes together and proceeds in the world and kind of looks at its how things are going now. Uh, it's this unique form of gathering called the, what is it, the, the Congregation of Procurators? Am I saying right. that right? Yeah. Right. So um, it's this meeting of, of Jesuits from every province in the world and the Father General in Rome and his team uh, kind of coming together. And you were in Loyola, Spain for a few weeks. And maybe you could start by just like a lot of us, most of us listening, I would say the uh, all, but maybe a few did not have the chance to be there for this. So bring us, yeah, bring us, bring us there. What was it like? What was the experience? Set the scene for us, if you could. Yeah. So I arrived, um, uh, I arrived about, oh, three hours late into the meeting. It was, it already be, uh, started, um, which was a little vague in terms of when it was going to begin. But this is, it's Loyola, Spain, which is in the Basque country. And not the easiest place to get to. You know, you 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 have to fly into Bilbao, Spain, or through an, another part of the country, and then you just have to take a taxi, a bus, a ride, um, hike, whatever, to get to Loyola, Spain. And I arrived about uh, oh, I don't know, th three hours, about two, three hours into the meeting, and Father Gen when so when I arrived, um, they took me into the aula. And Father General um, Arturo Sosa was already in like halfway through his De Statu Societatis, which is the state of the the state of the Society of Jesus, like a like a state of the Union. Hmm. And he was giving bullet points and going through um, this document. And this document would be the basis of our two and a half week gathering of of his his take on where the society of Jesus is like a snapshot um, around the world. And, um, and so I arrived in the middle of that. And then we moved right into, right into a period of silence and into retreat, hmm. um, I, which, which people, were, people were confused whether it's a personal retreat or a group communal retreat. Like we're all sort of focusing on a topic or we're all making our own individual retreat with hmm. our own issues huh. and we um we quickly learned that this was a communal retreat and we're praying with what with the topics and the points that father general was presenting to the group and so the beginning of this is you enter a room with about 76 voting members and the room was about a hundred oh like 110 jesuits um who were working or who had voice but not um, not a not voting rights or anything that that was that needed to happen in the congregation, and um, and after and after Matt, you know, it, so it began in silence. Hmm. You know, you, it, it began in, with silence and prayer, and you know that Jesuits are there representing their province from around the world, and you're just kind of you're just kind of looking around the room and trying to see who's who and not knowing, uh, not really knowing what this is all about. And the fact of the matter is no one in the room knew how we would move forward because mm. it, it was meant to be that way from the beginning. We're going we're gonna to begin, we're going to pray, and we'll gather the topics and we'll see where we need to go throughout these two and a half weeks. 
So there was a very minimal agenda. I'm just imagining like the president giving a State of the Union, like say the U.S. Congress, and then like all the members of Congress. Okay, now we're all going to have a silent retreat to reflect on this. Maybe mm-hmm. things would would work better in our political system if we had a little more of that time carved out. Uh, but that that does strike me as foreign, right? To like our usual way of doing meetings in which we have an agenda, and or maybe this is our American way, right? We have our agenda, we come, we sit down, we attack it right away. But this was a a different mode. So in that retreat time, are you? Are you in groups discussing or is it really just like, yeah, so what, what was the actual retreat like? Yeah. And just, and, be, and before I describe the, the retreat uh, dynamic, um, you know, in previous uh, congregations of procurators, and there's only been a handful in 500 years, um, I think the retreat has, is an optional, was an optional part of the procurator's congregation. So Father General would say, oh, come on over. You can make your personal retreat if you want. Um, this one was different. This one, Father General says, you, you will come and we will begin with uh, everyone will make a retreat. And this is the first part of our, our gathering. And so this was a shift in how the congregation has worked in the past. Hmm. And, it's, um, and it's very different from taking care of business in a corporate model and what we might call a spiritual corporate model. You know, so this re- so the retreat dynamic was... Um, uh, it, it, it followed a schedule, you know, three meals a day. It's it's all in silence, um, for except for um, we have a morning reflection by three different retreat presenters, and um, every day we would change, we would switch languages. So one day the presentation would be in English, the following day it would be in Spanish, and then the next day would be in French, and then we would rotate back to English. And so every day a different presenter from a different. Uh, language part of the world would present and we'd have simultaneous translations for those who needed it. Hmm. Um, and then we would, and then in, in the, in everyone, we all had uh, small groups and we would pray, we'd have our points and we'd come together in the evening, which we'd, we'd have our meals together, but in silence and we had space to, um, to move around. And it's a, it is a retreat house. So we could walk. It was the, uh, for about, for most, almost every day of the retreat, it was raining and uh, cloudy. And so it kind of created, it had the ambiance of, well, you're not going to go out and have fun and, and, and go on a nice hike. You're going to kind of be in-house or find a place to uh, pray hmm. most of the days. In the evening was what we engaged in what was called, um, not, it's, it's not just faith sharing. Like you come and you talk about how your day went or what you prayed about or what were the movements of the spirit, as we say in the Jesuit world, um, it was it was spiritual conversations, which is a different, um, it's spiritual conversations, sp- communal discernment. It's a different model practiced by um, some parts of the society, and it's actually foreign to other parts of the society. Hmm. And so people are like, you know, what is this? You know, is this like a, you know, every, every Jesuit knows how to make their own retreat. Mm-hmm. But when you add... When you add different dynamics to it, then they start. People are saying, "Wait a minute, is this a, is this a Jesuit thing, or, or what are we doing?" Mm. So, spiritual uh, communal discernment and spiritual um, conversations. Uh, the two main principles are intentional speaking and contemplative listening. Mm. And so, when you speak, it will be very intentional. And if it's not, you're you're encouraged to maybe shut up or or kind of not say, not talk too much, you know. So you're you're really re- being reflective about what you're about to say. Hmm. 
and um, speaking from a speaking from a deeper place. And when you listen, you listen, and so that creates um, that takes a different kind of focus and a different kind of place. And it's quite um, it's powerful, but it's also exhausting because you're you're in focus mm. the whole time, or you're trying to be attentive. And you have three you have three rounds um, in a in a in a spiritual conversation or a group discernment of, of this type, you know, you, you, the first round, you speak with intention about where your prayer is or about a topic in the second round, you, um, you can respond to what was heard in the group by another member. And in the third round, you try to, you try to find a consensus. Like, is there a movement in the group? Hmm. Like, is there a theme that came up? Is there, uh, is there a sadness or an excitement? Like you try to identify if there's if there's a movement in the group, um, or uh, and you try to identify that. And so uh, that's all. That's a lot of that's a lot of psychic and spiritual energy when mm. you do it when you do that. And and that's and every day it was basically that structure. Mm. And then we would have mass. Um, actually, a beautiful part of the retreat was we every single day a different. A region of the world would take on uh, the mass hmm. um, in the evening, and they would present in within the hour of the mass. They would bring in a symbol of their what represents their region of the world. They would give a very unique homily that that's reflective of their place and time hmm. in in uh, in their uh, global context, hmm. and they would um, sort of speak from the voice of their people, which. Um, so every day you went to a different part of the world and you kind of saw how the spirit was working there. So there's, there's, there's basically a very global dimension to what you were praying with, with which expanded everyone's experience of God and, um, and the, even their vision of God. When you, when you pray like that and when you have someone from like the heart of Vietnam or or from the, you know, on the border of Poland and Ukraine, speaking from the heart, you're kind of transported there. And, and there's mm. no, there's no filter. And all of a sudden, your world expands from whatever context you're coming from. Sure. I mean, I can imagine like Jesuits are generally pretty busy people, right? We have, you know, people working on things that they have in front of them or their community there and then maybe the province, but those opportunities to see how this is a global society uh, they're not that common until I really experienced that firsthand. And um, what what did that do for your own uh, like feeling uh, as a Jesuit or your sense of vocation or your feeling connected to, to something kind of bigger? What were some of those movements for you? Yeah, well, all of those, what you just said, I think as, as soon as we, as soon as I, I um, we, in, in my own small group at the retreat level, this is, this is it, before even like knowing who's who and, mm -hmm. and, and pedigree and experience of like who's in the room. Mm -hmm. um, in my small group, we gave our introductions and then we started giving our reflections. And I was, even from the very first session, when I heard some of the guys speak, um, someone from like, you know, cent uh, from Central Africa or someone from uh, another person from South Africa or another one from, from India, a different province. Um, I was like, oh, I was like, wow, this, this guy could be, could literally be voted in um, the next father general, like the next, uh, you know, uh, general of the, of the Society of Jesus 
if uh, if we were to go in this one. And then someone else spoke within my group, and I was like, oh, this guy's really impressive too. Like he could um, he could be Father General. Hmm. And when I saw the when I saw the quality and the caliber of the men I was I was sitting with, it was it was very inspiring. Hmm. It was kind of like it took me back when I was when I first entered the Jesuits because I was inspired by these these men who took life um, pretty passionately and and were imp- kind of impressive in what they were able to do hmm. and reflective and prayerful. And to be, and you know, you kind of, just like anything in life, you, you kind of lose that sense of awe. You can become a little jaded with life when you just kind of go through the um, sort of the, the guts of, of life hmm. and, and you get to know, you know, people underneath their skin. But being at this um, gathering, it, it it was almost like a shock value where I was inspired again. And I said, this is a remarkable group of, mm. of guys who um, if you if if we get past um, our own egos and our own um, hangups can do can do remarkable things in the world. Mm. Like I was it was it was inspiring to be in the presence of men of that quality of faith and of experience. Sure. And as you're talking with them and praying and reflecting in this stage and then moving into the actual kind of meeting, what are some of the, the themes that you're hearing from around the world? Some of those things that, that struck you as, oh, this is a, a key point we want to make sure that we're, we're noticing and, and taking stock of here. I guess there's, there's two invitations here. Um, the first one was this theme of wanting to follow Jesus humble and poor. And so we have to, and so it's um, the the whole phrase you can sit with, but it's just, it's going back to um, religious, spiritual, mystical reality, but very concrete. So it's like, we want to follow Jesus. You know, we're kind of, we're just looking at our identity, but it's not any Jesus. It's Jesus who's humble and poor. And it's this invitation to what we in the Jesuit world have, what's called the third degree of humility in the spiritual exercises, which if, if most Jesuits are honest, it's a beautiful ideal. No one wants it. And I don't, maybe, maybe five guys live it, actually live it where you, where you recognize that Christ is poor, Christ is insulted, he's persecuted. And you, and you ask for that. You desire that too, because you want to be in the same place. Hmm. And it, and even in the exercises, it's rec, it's recognized as, an ideal and um and it's a grace if you move into that now what was shocking for us as a group is we weren't you know we weren't asking for that but we felt in our prayer and in the movement of the of the retreat that we were being invited to live with more humility live with more poverty following jesus humble and poor and that that kind of shook people to the core Hmm. when you realize sometimes our lifestyles are very far from that Hmm. you know there's there's a gap there's a there's a distance and so at so at the very at the same time it was it was a moment of consolation and it was a moment of extreme challenge Hmm. right to kind of to see that but it was it, it was clear um another theme um that came up was uh 
it, it's a quote it's and and it came up in three from for myself it came up in my prayer it came up within our small group someone mentioned it during mass actually two different people mentioned it during our masses um and it's this quote it's a famous quote by carl Rahner, and and he says in uh, in one of his writings um that the the christians of tomorrow will be mystics or nothing at all and he's like and this and this is Rahner, right so he's writing what like 50 60 years ago so i guess that means that's us today mm. you know and then it was this kind of um it's this sentiment and a, and a part of the theme too that we understand in the Je- in jesuit life how to be corporate, um, how, to, how to follow a corporate model, how to do business and how to set goals and agendas and, and action plans. But I think there was this sense that that's not what our project is about fundamentally. And, and like to be, to enter, to do what we want to do is really um, a project that belongs to God um, if we're still invited. And that's a, that's a mystical place. And it was a call to to rely deeply on that sense of prayer and mysticism as the as the focus and the drive of anything we do. And if we're not doing that, then the then what are we doing and why do we exist? So it was this reminder to to of the, of the project that's um, God's providence and and being led by the Spirit and not by an action plan that's like identical to a corporate model. Hmm. Yeah, and to hear, I imagine to hear that coming up from people from all over the world, from all sorts of ministry commitments, that mm-hmm. t- suggests oh, there's like spirit can be working, perhaps like be paying attention to that. That these themes are coming together. You know, it's one thing for you know me to sit in my corner of the world and say oh, I feel this, but then if you hear that confirmed from other people and mm-hmm. moving toward that, I can imagine that would be a a powerful thing to experience to feel like a real sense of um, the spirit at work there. Uh, I, I am so maybe we could could move so you have the a retreat experience and then there's actually some work and meetings. I mean, well, it's all work, um, but describe the the next stage uh, of the the congregation. Yeah, in the next in the next stage, so we we move into um, and and throughout the retreat, we're praying with different themes of the day statu or the um, the state of the union, and um, and then we and then when we came into the what we call the plenary sessions. It, we we started it, you know, the first thing that happened is um, on the first day of the business portion, um, you know, it was like, oh, that, you know, everyone was thinking that that retreat was, uh, oh, that retreat was nice. It was a great time to pray and to kind of get in touch with everyone and to have spiritual conversations. But now we put that aside and now we move into business and, and whatever we have to discuss. And we can, and so on the first, the very first thing that uh, Father General said when we went into the plenary sessions was um um he's like the retreat isn't over Hmm. necessarily Hmm. he says uh, he's like i want i want us to maintain a climate of prayer or an atmosphere of prayer and so all of a sudden all of a sudden it instead of moving into business mode which we did it was an extension of the of the deep reflection we had already been engaged in for eight days and now we continue to reflect. He's like, he's like, you know, you, we, you still, um, we're still praying, you know, we're still praying uh, through, through this. 
And so it kind of, everyone sort of got their second wind and it changed the tone of moving into the business portion now, you know? Um, and what we would do is we would begin the day with prayer, again, following the same dynamic, maybe in a different language. Someone from a different part of the world would be the, the moderator that day, which was an interesting task to kind of calm the, this kind of crowd of, uh, of Jesuits who might want to uh, uh, speak too long or go in different directions. And then there would be a presentation, say whatever top, topic we took, um, like a culture of safeguarding or, um, or uh, provinces, provinces that relied heavily on institutions um, like universities and other provinces that had very um, few institutions, whatever theme or topic we were talking about, we would have presenters, well, three different presenters from different parts of the world share their actual experience over the past five years of what's happening in a certain issue in their province. And so we'd get a concrete example of that. And then we'd move into um, basically the floor would be open and people would share on the different comments. Um, we'd break, that would be a morning session. And in the evening, we'd, we'd meet into different language groups. So Italian, English, uh, Spanish, French, we'd go into different language groups and we'd discuss the themes that Father General wanted us to discuss, make a report, and then present present a few bullet points in the evening that same day, have more reflection or responses, and then and then decide in the evening whether we were done with that theme and we would move on to the next one. Um, there were also moments where we had to elect a secretary. We had to um, make sure uh, who, who's moving everything forward, and um, and basically we kept that model for um for the remainder of the session hmm. and so you know, what what are some of the the themes that are kind of are being brought up or things that are that father general had invited you to, to think about what were some of the ones that like some of those top headline uh questions that you were then hearing about how they were lived out in different parts of the world we had a we had a, a long conversation it was all day on what we called a the culture of safeguarding and it had to do with um, cases of cases of abuse or breach of boundaries or power power dynamics and abuse of powers within within Jesuits or Jesuits and lay people or um, and every everything that involves sort of a breach of of power those dynamics mm. and protecting and safeguarding the most vulnerable and the marginalized that we walk with and the and it, the shift um, the discussion. The discussion was a movement from um, from what we might call a checklist of of, of of protocols, or what's what's the word I'm thinking of when you sort of have a, a compliance model, mm. where you have to have a, you know you have to follow all these rules from um, some outside company that wants you to be uh, on board with boundaries and with safeguarding of children, and you have a checklist like okay, we're doing that, we're doing that, we're doing that, and 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 an acknowledgement of that as like an action plan to creating a culture of safeguarding was what we talked about all day where we where we're invested in this like where we see that this isn't a it's not for compliance it's not a legal model where we're just trying to protect ourselves from the court system 
but we're, we're actually aware of the issues that are happening, the abuse that happens at so many different levels, and that we create this culture where we, we respond to that at every level. Um, accused Jesuits, falsely accused Jesuits. And we just kind of would hear stories. We, you know, you hear stories of, um, of people dealing with difficult cases and how we're sometimes blindsided by one aspect of the situation and not the other. And, it, and then we talked about um, like forgiveness um, in, in these situations. Um, and basically, basically introducing a threefold model, which was around um, awakening of this issue, an awareness of what's at stake, and then finally an action plan. Um, yeah, and I, I can say more of that, but that was a, that was a big theme. Is is this this culture of um, of safeguarding? Um, another another theme that uh, that came up was sort of um, provinces that that historically have not relied on institutions like other older provinces, and so you'd have guys presenting on opening up a school in Nepal where there is like zero Christianity and and yet the place is it's it's a creative it's a creative enterprise it's it's flourishing it's um it's two or three Jesuits two Jesuits who are doing it and it's something fresh and new in a in a context that um, where your neighbors are not Christian at all and yet it's working hmm. and that kind of and so when you hear stories like that you start to think you so another theme was thinking of all our institutions in what ways, in what ways do they support us? But in what ways do our historical institutions um, have carry so much weight that they hold us back from being free and creative? Hmm. And it was it's in that, that was like maybe a two day discussion where you know you recognize um, the value of our institutions, but you also begin to recognize where we're stuck because of them. Interesting. And so the group that's there kind of comes together and through these discussions and ultimately there's a vote, right? That, that's kind of what you're working toward, a yeah. vote on whether or not to hold a general congregation. As I understand it, this the procurator's congregation is not in the constitutions of the society, but kind of came up early on as a, hey, we need to meet more often than these general congregations just to kind of do these global check-ins and discernments. And so mm -hmm. we will we will then decide whether or not to call for another general congregation. So that is like at the end of the day like kind of the one of the tasks that you have in front of you. Yeah. So so then yeah, what was the the movement toward that and can you talk a little bit about that piece of it? Yeah, well, you know, the the you know, some of it, the the vote in in, in is a uh, the voting is confidential and like the numbers and all that stuff or how people how people went about like doing it but mm -hmm. in the end and I, I mean i think it's 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 public knowledge obviously yes. where the vote was a no right, right? We're, not, we're we're not calling for it for a general congregation um and i mean per what the whole group was thinking i don't know but personally i feel that the the with the with the themes of the state of the world and the state of the of the Jesuits, um, obviously everyone acknowledged it's it's a new it's a new society it's a new time the things are changing they're changing fast and we're kind of um, 
we're kind of just wondering where all of this is going and we'd, we'd like to move forward. We just don't know how to move forward. And issues like um, issues like personal identity or the health of the of, or the how we live in community life or whatever, there. Um, if personally, if we were to hold a general congregation, we wouldn't resolve some of these things because they're so because they're so massive on scale. And so I, I feel you know there's no there's probably no need to hold a general congregation, even though there are there's lots to work on. There are a lot of things to address. It's just the recognition that a general congregation is not going to solve all of that. Right. So, so you mentioned that a lot of things to work on and address. And I want to back up now because so this we've been focusing on this specific time in Loyola, Spain, but your work involved in this and the work of the congregation goes back a year or more. And as I understand it, each of the, the representatives from the provinces and regions is kind of tasked with, OK, go around your province, talk to Jesuits get their take, kind of pull this all together and then deliver a report to Father General directly about what you've learned. So can we kind of re uh, rewind a little bit to your first involvement with this and kind of bring us through what was your process? Uh, what were you gathering? And then also like what were some of those things you wanted to make sure coming from the USA West province? These are things I, I want to make sure Father General hears from me. Yeah, so the process began, you know, there's there, the process began back in uh, June 2022, I, I, I think, um, one year ago from from now. And, um, and it began in Spokane, in uh, Gonzaga University in Spokane, uh, Washington. And it's one of the few, there's few moments where the Society of Jesus or the Jesuits, we become, all of a sudden we become democratic. Um, uh, beyond beyond a few um, instances, we it's it's more it's it looks more like a military where you you know you have orders and you follow through on those orders. Um, th there's a conversation. It's not as strict as the military, but it's it it you have superiors and you move by assignment and you're you're assigned places, you're placed places. Mm. Um, but but then when we go into internal governance, there's a few moments when we become democratic. And so in Spokane, we come to discuss dis discuss our own issues within the pro the West Coast Province or the Jesuits West Province, and um, and then we take on the, I don't know the third day we take a vote to elect um, one person to represent the province and do this work. And so it's. Um, it, 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 yeah, so that at that vote ended up. Um, that's where I was elected, and it's incredibly, um, you know, it, it's 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 humbling, but it's more uh, because of my age, um, a forty year old, which in in the Jesuit context is like a like a ten year old or something. You know, you, there's there's no respect, you know, for for a forty year old man in the Society of Jesus because in the church. You know, you, you reach seniority like when you're 80 or 90 and by then you're dead, you know, <laughs> so here I am, a 40 year old man. My other my lay colleagues are professionals, but not in the Jesuit world. It's very it's very young. Um, and so it was a shift, right? It's a, it's it was a kind of a, a little bit of of the older guys, right? Um, letting go and kind of a passing on a little bit of that responsibility to another to another to the next generation is something that hasn't happened 
in our province or it's not, it's a it's um it's a rare it's a rare occasion when you have things like that happen and it was definitely one of it marked one of those moments we also it was it was also a time when when historically we've been we were two provinces you know we were the california province and the oregon province and that has not been a that has not been a simple merger or marriage it 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 has it's taken time and so this was a moment when we came together as one province and it and it started to feel for the for many for the first time as okay we're doing a new thing we're coming together um so there's there's so many dynamics happening at different levels but anyways i get i get elected and my job is to move around the province which is from from bethel alaska to nogales um what arizona right and and the span of that's like that's like driving from los angeles to boston massachusetts right and that's the size and um we were our province was late jesuits west was late in the game to uh to get this going and so i had a few months to make my rounds and to visit the different houses um and and that's and that's what i did i, I you know i went um in the beginning i went to bethel alaska and I learned about the history of the missionaries there. In its heyday, we had um, 50 Jesuit missionaries throughout Alaska, which was um, a real source of inspiration for the Oregon province. And today we have three, you know, three guys. And then um, in the context of my own mission, working on reservations in, on uh, not in Alaska, but in the continental states, um, that's a different reality. And then I just sort of worked my way throughout the province, um, trying to reach as many communities as possible. And, and, you know, in, in the end, um, in the end, one of the, there's, there's, there's several insights, but one of, um, one of the insights is that you see, you see Jesuits throughout, uh, my, my particular province who are, uh, individually, individually maybe uh, th uh, thriving or quite fulfilled and their work is fulfilling, you know, like as a university professor or, or a director of some institute or working in a high school, wh whatever they're doing, there's, a, there's fulfillment in that. Um, but yet when we, when we come together um, and, as, and we, when we come together as a Jesuit community, there is... Um, there is a woundedness, a tiredness. It, it's it's um it's a different reality from the individual man, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't call that a a crisis, but it was something that was very clear moving throughout the province, and that was um that was already happening, but like like so many things in society, um, COVID exposed that sort of that struggle of coming together as Jesuits in community um, at post COVID and looking at the society and the issues and, and our vocation in today, um, that's a little bit, uh, there's like a big question mark, like where, where is all this going? And, and, and who, who are we at this moment? Um, as a corporate group, it's 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 a question and it's a serious concern. Individually, guys are guys are okay. They're you know they're doing their work. So that was 
one of the what was one of the main contentions that I brought to Father General. Um, yeah, well, anything else that that came that struck you as as things you were that made it into to that report? Uh, um, um, I think there was. Uh, you know, in our province, um, one of the one of the highlights that we've that we've done is what we call lay collaboration. It's working with our lay colleagues um, as collaborate as collaborators, and I think we've we've built that and we've done that. And it's the it's one of the highlights of our province is that our lay colleagues um, like to work with us. They have adopted. Jesuit idea. They've they've drank the Kool Aid sometimes more than <laughs> Jesuits themselves. Right? We like we like to to joke about, mm -hmm. and they really take on the spirituality and the mission, and and um and they and they move with it with or without Jesuits they move fo forward, and that was actually that was a big theme at the general congregation where other provinces are almost it's uh, there's a lot more tensions and questions around lay collaboration, mm -hmm. whereas our province. We um, it's been it's one of our saving graces hmm. is is to work with our lay partners and uh, in in that mutual exchange. Sure, um, it causes up and 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 it and that because as that becomes stronger, there the the fallout might be we start to lose a sense of our own Jesuit identity as the lay people um, own it, hmm. you know, own it more and more, and we start to think, well, like oh, okay, you know, lay people can do it. Then where's our role? Our, where's our specific role sure. as Jesuits? So it's a source of um, encouragement, but it, it also pushes us to reflect and rethink what it means to be um, a, a vowed Jesuit, you know, versus um, a lay person who takes on the Jesuit mission. Sure. You know. So thinking back over this year, you've had. I want. I'm curious. Like, are there any ways you can identify? Like, oh, I'm different now than I was a year ago from this experience? Like, how did it change your own life, your own sense of vocation? Are there any of those things you can identify and be like, oh, this experience has led me to to this point? Yeah, the biggest, uh, the biggest, um, big, I would say the, the, the word to describe the movement now from a year ago to now is this, is this invitation to conversion and this process that has has started within me with with or without my my permission um there's a movement towards conversion and so the, and in other words thinking and being and doing maybe differently from what you've what you've done in the past and and so in different and just in general in your life and your outlook um anything from even something as simple as like looking at my vowed life, like my vows of um, of, of obedience, um, poverty, uh, chastity, and some, and where whereas at one point I could look at them as real obstacles to a, a flourishing life and kind of me doing whatever I want to do or something I struggle with, and then the conversion piece would be to see my vows, my vowed my my vows as a as a religious Jesuit, as um not as something that works against me, but something that helps me, something that help, that, that gives, provides a path to live my life the way I need to live it. And I think those are, those are sort of, that's a nuance that you miss if there isn't an ongoing process of, of deepening and conversion in your life. So I think since, since a year ago, and especially with the, 
CP 71, the Congregation of uh, Procurators, uh, the the 71st of of them, um, the process began with lots of prayer and reflection. And so we enter into that. And and that's what I've been doing as I reflect with them, with other Jesuits. And then, you know, you're, you're challenged, you're challenged to look at your life and to see if you're um, living it to um, living it in a way that can maybe requires more authenticity, maybe requires going into a deeper place that you've that you haven't paid attention to and that's what i would call conversion you know it, it, it is living from a deeper place more reliance on god and and the spirit and then what happened to me to myself with a lot of members of the congregation was by was a mo- by, by the end was a moment of what i would what i want to call honesty it's just it's basic honesty you see the mission of what we're called. You see how you how you're living it, and there and there might be a gap between those two realities. And so, looking at that gap is a beautiful moment of honesty, and and it's a place to start, and it's a place to kind of you can move to move forward from from that position of like this is this is where we're at. You know, we're not going to pretend, we're not going to deny. And we're gonna just be honest and 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 move forward. So you are moving forward where you are, which is uh, what I want to ask you about now, which is the uh, Flathead Indian Reservation in Western Montana, where you serve as a pastor delegate at the Saint Ignatius Mission. So could you just before I let you go, um, help us uh, kind of understand what what your ministry is there, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, how you spend your your time and and what the Jesuits are, are doing there. Yeah, so um, yeah, it does all come back home to uh, to where you where you live and hang your hat. So here, this is the Flathead Indian Reservation um, in western Montana, and we the the reservation is a is a mix of tribal members and non tribal members. Um, the main tribes here are the are the Salish, the Kootenai, and the Pondure um, peoples. And along with um, settlers, when the reservation was sort of forcibly for, it was, uh, forcibly opened up to non-tribal members, like in 1910, and then you have a history of uh, of white um, non-tribal members settling in, and we all, everyone tries to work it out and live together here on the reservation within a within a set boundary. Um, there's, I would say there's two aspects to the work out here. It is, um, it is definitely a ministry of presence and, and friendship. We have, th- we have three different parish areas. And so it's, it's, it's a St. Ignatius mission, which is the main one in St. Ignatius, Montana. Um, the original cabin is from 1854. And then the present church is from 1891. And then we feed, we, we support and we feed off two other missions um, in the Jocko Valley, St. John Berkman's, and in R. Lee, Sacred Heart um, Chapel in R. Lee. And uh, so on a Sunday, I might go, I'll do three masses, two at the mission and one in Jocko or one in R. Lee. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a fraught, beautiful, um, difficult relationship over for, since 1854 um, among the local peoples 
and and among the the the, the church. Um, it's the longer I stay here, the more complicated and nuanced everything becomes. It's everything is about relationships and and understanding the tensions that different families have with each other, different members of the tribe that think differently, and the historic history of the church walking with the people, um, how we how we supported each other, and then moments where the church was part of uh, a, a part of a, a high assimilation, you know, forcing a culture foreign to the people onto them. And we, so one part of my job is to navigate all that. Um, one part of my job is just to be, just to have a parish. And so you have 30% um, of my congregation might be tribal, 70% might be um, non-tribal. And, and it's just the Catholic church like anywhere else. It, it's, it's a small rural town in rural America with all those dynamics that happen throughout the U.S. And you try to make that, um, you, try to, you try to navigate that and be, um, be a parish as best you can. But I would say that the real, my real job is, is, the, is, just, walk, is just having a friendship, um, walking with the local peoples, getting to know their, um, their, the issues that concern them, trying to um trying to have a conversation where you where you know to be a hundred percent native and to be a hundred percent catholic is possible um in the younger generation on my reservation when they hear about the boarding school history in canada or um or on our own reservation with some um some episodes uh the implicit message um, or the or the public message is that those two are incompatible. You're either native um, and your your tribal ways, or you're or you're Catholic, and that's something that's uh, that's foreign. They're not compatible, and so that is a very difficult um, uh, balancing act. Um, but it but it really works. It works out when you just, um, when you spend time, you have to, you have to spend time out here. You have to spend time with people. You have to um, go to the powwows. You, you, you go to the funerals, you, um, you go to the community events. And then this is a small town. So when one, when one Yaya, which is a grandmother sees you at a school event, that's hosting a local powwow, um, her whole family knows about it. And that might be like a third of the whole tribe or something. And, and it's just about, it's, it's, I would say it's, it's, um, it is not, it's not evangelizing and saying like, you know, adopt this culture. It's more just an openness to say that perhaps our cultures um, are more compatible than we think. And so that's, that's, that's the work. It's, um it's incredibly sensitive and nuanced and it's and it's been damaged in, in the past um but it's beautiful when you take the time to just uh, just sit with people walk with people and uh, and hear their stories it, it, it's it's basically a place of storytelling hmm. i just love hearing a little bit about you know, your ministry there and then the the work uh in your province and then in loyola spain with jesuits from around the world just this connection between the reality the day-to-day -day of people who you're accompanying and then the people around the world who are doing different things in all kinds of contexts. It does for me. It's just okay. This is a this is a, you know a beautiful 
group that is broken and, you know, as a church and as a religious order, you know, broken and confused and certainly in ways and trying to figure it out, but also just really see the evidence of, of God at work, uh, I feel like, and in all these different ways. And so I really appreciate your kind of bringing us to, at the end here down to your, your daily life and then up to, to this, this really big process you were part of. And so Father Victor Cancino, I really appreciate the time and uh, all the sharing uh, you did. And, and uh, yeah, we'll, um, be excited to kind of hear more uh, from you uh, as we go along and as we get to read this document that will be coming out from Father General about the state of the society. So uh, thank you again so much for the time. Thank you, Mike. Anytime. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. The show is edited by Marcus Bleach. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Eric Clayton, Megan Leach, Becky Sindelar, and me. Connect with the Jesuits online at jesuits.org, on Twitter at Jesuit News, Instagram at We Are the Jesuits, and facebook.com slash Jesuits. Sign up for weekly email reflections by visiting jesuits.org slash weekly. If you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation with the Jesuits, connect with a Jesuit vocation promoter at beajesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at jesuits.org. You can subscribe to AMDG on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as St. Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire. Thank you.